It's Tuesday, December 10th. I'm Martine Powers. This is an impeachment inquiry update from Post Reports. Today, in service to our duty to the Constitution and to our country, the House Committee on the Judiciary is introducing two articles of impeachment charging the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, with committing high crimes and misdemeanors. Democrats announced that they are bringing two articles of impeachment against President Trump. Aaron Blake writes about politics for the fix. The first article is for abuse of power. It is an impeachable offense for the president to exercise the powers of his public office to obtain an improper personal benefit while ignoring or injuring the national interest. The first article is abuse of power, basically the idea that the president was soliciting a foreign government to provide politically helpful investigations and that he was withholding official government things like a meeting and like military aid in order to pressure them to launch those investigations. When the House investigated and opened an impeachment inquiry, President Trump engaged in unprecedented, categorical, and indiscriminate defiance of the impeachment inquiry. This gives rise to the second article of impeachment for obstruction of Congress. The second article is an obstruction of Congress, basically the president throwing up a stone wall against all subpoenas, against key witnesses testifying, against turning over documents, and arguing that this is an unprecedented move by the president to not cooperate with the rightful uh, ability of Congress to conduct oversight and potentially impeach the president of the United States. A president who declares himself above accountability, above the American people, and above Congress's power of impeachment, which is meant to protect against threats to our democratic institutions, is a president who sees himself as above the law. We must be clear, no one, not even the president, is above the law. The ones they brought are actually a little bit narrower than uh, we thought they might have been. Uh, There is no mention of the word bribery. There is no mention of obstruction of justice in the Russia investigation. They're keeping this very focused on the Ukraine investigation and matters related to that. So why do you think that Democrats went with this more narrow approach rather than bringing up charges like bribery or obstruction of justice? The idea is to keep it focused on Ukraine and maybe not get bogged down in more legal minutiae. Once you bring up the topics of bribery, once you bring up obstruction of justice from the Mueller investigation, they may be put in the position of trying to satisfy statutory requirements that those crimes carry. You know, I think especially with the obstruction of justice portion, it was also complicated by the fact that Robert Mueller decided not to accuse the president. He decided not to reach any conclusions about that because a president, according to Justice Department guidelines, cannot be indicted. But then the attorney general, William Barr, decided to clear the president of obstruction. So basically, they would be bringing a charge against the president that the Justice Department has said does not hold up. And that was a little bit more difficult. And it seemed like Democrats really just wanted to limit the borders of this and make it as simple as possible. For the idea of bribery, which they didn't ultimately charge the president with, that's something that has an actual criminal statute of 
bribery that you can convict people on that they would have had to prove. And it seems like with this approach, having something like abusive power, it's much vaguer, it's much softer, different people can define abusive power in different ways. And so they have a little bit more latitude. Yeah. And it's kind of a double-edged sword. On the one hand, yes, if they were to accuse the president of bribery, they might have to satisfy the legal requirements, although constitutional scholars don't necessarily agree with that, given that there was actually no bribery statute when the Constitution was drafted. At the same time, it does help crystallize the argument a little bit better. What does abusive power mean to your average person? Abusive power is something that is rather subjective. High crimes and misdemeanors, which is what the Democrats have gone with here, is also pretty subjective. Bribery, though, is a concept that people understand. And I think sometimes in these situations, the idea is that you want to simplify it as much as you can. And if Democrats were arguing over and over again that the president bribed a foreign government, that's something that maybe could stick a little bit more, even as the burden of proof might be increased slightly in the end. So how has the president responded to this so far? And also, what have we seen from Republicans in Congress? Well, the president, basically, his argument is that this was a preordained outcome, that Democrats basically tried to make the evidence fit their preordained outcome. Republicans in Congress are very much on board with that. I don't care if you think Americans who support President Trump are deplorables. But you do not have the right to disqualify their vote just because you do not like President Trump. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy was talking Tuesday morning about the idea that the Democrats have been out to get the president from the very beginning. They would lie and they would continue to lie just because they dislike this president. But the way they have handled this from the very beginning, I know they set a timeline and they wanted to keep their timeline. They just never paid attention to the facts. So they changed the rules to meet their timeline. We're seeing them make lots of process arguments that there is actually no crime. That is going to be a key argument here, especially now that there is no bribery, there is no obstruction of justice in these articles. So, no, it is not difficult to defend this president, but it is very difficult to defend this Congress on what they have done, and history will not be kind to them. This was also something of an interesting, kind of bizarre day for Democrats to be announcing these proposed charges against the president because they, at the same time, have now just struck a deal with Republicans on the new NAFTA, a trade deal with the U.S., Mexico, and and Canada, which is something that President Trump has been fighting for. So it's kind of a win for Republicans, and it seems pretty weird that This morning, they're both talking about trying to remove the president from office, but also giving him a pretty big win. This is a transformative agreement. It's a template, I believe, for future agreements. Literally within one hour of one another, there was the impeachment press conference at 9 a.m., and then they had the USMCA, also known as New NAFTA, at 10 a.m. But this is more than a triumph for organized labor. It's a triumph for workers everywhere across America. It is an interesting split screen, giving the president what he will hail as one of his chief accomplishments as president. On the same day, you're saying he is an illegitimate president, that he should be impeached and removed from office. Democrats have been pretty close on USMCA for a while. It's not like this came out of nowhere. They just kind of had to get over the hill. There's also a recognition that what is contained in the new trade deal is not significantly different from what we had with NAFTA. It kind of changes things around the edges a little bit. And so maybe Democrats reason that they can argue this isn't a huge game-changing accomplishment by the president because it's not all that different from what we have. 
The other thing I think that Democrats are going to point out is and hope that this achieves is that it takes off the argument that they are just so consumed by impeachment that they are not governing at all. To the extent Republicans are going to argue Democrats are just not actually working in Congress, they can say, look, we just passed President Trump's trade deal. Clearly, we are not just standing in the way of everything he does because we hate the guy. So what is going to happen next on impeachment? Well, the House Judiciary Committee is charged with taking up these articles and debating them. They could still be subject to change. There will be a debate on that committee about the wording of specific articles. And then the Judiciary Committee votes on these, which will likely be a party line vote. They will go to the broader House, which is slated to vote next week. And then at that point, the whole process goes to the Senate, which actually holds the trial of the president. The chief justice of the Supreme Court presides over it. And at that point, two thirds of senators, which would be all Democrats and 20 Republicans, would need to vote in favor of removing the president from office. And there's basically no chance that that's going to happen, right? The idea of 20 Republican senators switching sides seems somewhat far-fetched. Yeah. And I don't think that Democrats... House Democrats, when they launched this process, really had any illusions that that was ever going to be the case. Polarization is so strong. We really haven't seen much of a crack in uh, the president's support on impeachment. There may be a couple senators that'll make this interesting. Mitt Romney, Ben Sass, Susan Collins, who's up for re-election. You know, if a couple of them vote against the president, would that be seen as a significant moment in his reelection campaign? I don't know. But to say that an impeachment process is about the election is an argument that Republicans are making, but it's not altogether wrong. I think that Democrats were wary of this process initially because they worried it might help the president in what's looking like a difficult reelection race. They eventually came around to it when I think they decided that at least it wouldn't hurt their chances of defeating him in 2020. And maybe if they get some new evidence or they get a couple Republicans voting to remove him from office, they can use that as an argument to say, look, this is so bad that even these Republicans thought that he is not worthy of being president of the United States. Well, I guess we'll see if that'll happen. We will. Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you. Aaron Blake writes about politics for The Fix. That's it for this segment of Post Reports. Full episodes of our show come out every weekday afternoon. You can subscribe at postreports.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Martine Powers. Thanks for listening.